Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. If you're new here, hi, I'm Kelsey, and I am the founder of Visionary Life. In this community, we chat about peak health, inspired living, and all things entrepreneurship. Every day, I strive to live out my own most visionary life while guiding others to do the same. So at this point, you may be wondering what a visionary is. As a visionary, you likely live a life a little bit differently or are ready to make some shifts in your life that will lead you to your dreams. Visionaries are creative, driven, and energetic, and we're living a life full of want-tos and not have-tos. Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. It's Kelsey here, back for another week of incredible audio for you. This interview is going to be really great. Of course, we're always jamming on the topics of health, entrepreneurship, and inspired living. So a quick update on life, and then we'll get right into the show. First of all, I wanted to give a huge shout out to International Women's Day, which happened on Thursday, March 8th. I took some time to reflect on the wonderful women who surround me today and those who have influenced my path over the years. I feel so grateful that I've been able to seek out communities that truly light me up and push me to be a better advocate and friend and human on this planet. And many of these communities are filled with women who I look up to and admire on a daily basis. So thank you to all of you in my life. Growing up, my mom and my sister were women who I deeply admired and continue to admire to this day. And in addition, the rest of my family, my aunts, my cousins, they continually keep me motivated and encouraged in, in so many different ways. Um, that includes their careers and the roles they play in their families and really just the heart that is inside their body. Um, my friends are undeniably inspiring and tons of them have blossomed into incredibly thoughtful and caring and insightful women and I just can't imagine life without them. So, you know, I encourage you to take a moment and just reflect on Maybe some people in your life, friends, family, whomever, who you're very grateful for. We know that gratitude is an extremely important practice on a daily basis. And, you know, lastly, I wanted to shout out quickly some wonderful communities that I'm a part of, both in person and online. So shout out to Bow, which is my cycling community. It's a Toronto-based club that meets up in the summer for road biking. Just an incredible crew. Um, along that biking line cycle. That's the indoor studio where I teach. And there are so many boss women there um, doing just incredible things. And the founder is someone who I deeply admire for her vision and how she created a standalone business in the city of Toronto. And also, of course, you guys know that I'm very passionate about my doTERRA community. And that includes my customers, my business building team, and just the people who I get to connect with um, across teams, right? doTERRA is such a supportive culture, and I've met a lot of my best friends because we're all on a similar path together in this natural health industry. So, you know, if you're looking for a community of women to root yourself in, or just a community in general, right? please message me. Um, one of my strengths is actually being a connector. So I'm able to point you to the right spot and 
help you to tap into maybe which community you're ready for. So if I can help in any way, I would love to. And so speaking of one of my communities of fierce women, Cycle Toronto, um, today's guest is actually someone who I met through that gym. So about five years ago, we met teaching fitness classes and we built our friendship upon a shared love of holistic health, cycling, and all things well-being. So today's guest is Kara Foley. Kara is wise, she's kind, she's a total boss babe, so hardworking, very compassionate, and just a beautiful soul to be around. And let me tell you, the challenges and unexpected bumps in the road over the past few years for Kara could have completely derailed her. She's been through a lot, and yet somehow she continues to move forward and use her struggles to nurture her strengths. And... We'll get into her story on the show, but watching Kara transition careers and launch her own business and move from the big town of Toronto to a very small town in northern Ontario to get to a quieter space for her and her family and to nurture their health. She then went on to take yoga teacher training and then ultimately she opened up her own wellness studio in Deep River, Ontario called Physio Bodhi, so in line with her name of her business. And all the while, she somehow manages to keep her family together, keep the vibes high and healthy. And I'm just so inspired, for lack of a better word, on how Kara has navigated this thing we call life. She's truly a superwoman, if I've ever met one. So let's get into it. Here's this week's episode with Kara Foley. traveling out to Roncesvalles today and we are recording from my apartment here so thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, What brings you to Toronto because you don't live here anymore? Yeah so I tend to still come back quite frequently. Um, This particular trip is um, a medical based trip so long story short uh, my husband has cancer and we have to come every three to four months for appointments which is a pretty good interval um, with his diagnosis. So we're mm-hmm. grateful for that. And it's also a nice chance to catch up with friends and have a little city time. And Definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're going to kind of zoom the lens back and cover a lot of your story and that of your business too. You are someone who I have seen in such a bright light for the last five years that I've known you. And it's been incredible to watch what you've accomplished in that time. So I'm excited to, yeah, just chat. And I think even for me, it's cool to be able to sit down with friends of mine that I've had for many years and just dig a little bit deeper than maybe what we ever would have done if we were just like grabbing a coffee or a tea or 
Um, Kara and I actually used to teach together at an indoor cycling studio here in Toronto. So, you know, we always saw each other kind of in passing and Mm -hmm. I would wrap up a class and Kara would just be starting her class. So the great thing about recording podcasts, selfishly, it's such an amazing opportunity (laughs) to... Um, just get that more quality time to connect with one another. And I know that everyone listening will have so much that resonates with them about your story and how your life has totally evolved over the past few years. So um, I think we've got lots of exciting stuff to dive into today. So since I have known you, I've always seen you kind of live out your life in a very holistic and healthy mm-hmm. way. And so what I'd love to know first is, did you grow up this way? Was this your lifestyle with your parents um, in your home growing up? Or did you come to holistic health at a certain time? Yeah, so my upbringing, I would say, was probably healthier than most people's. um, In that we weren't really given any processed foods. Everything was made from scratch. Um, but that being said, my dad is French Canadian and it's more of like a meat and potatoes and maybe a side salad kind of, um, meal. But again, everything was at least homemade and made from scratch. And then, um, I, so I started working in a gym when I was 16. That was my first job. And so I kind of was around that all the time. And then, you know, in undergrad ate how people would think like a typical healthy active person's diet, you know, chicken breast and salads mm-hmm. and all those things. <laughs> yes. Um, and then it wasn't until I was in my 20s um, that I started to get quite sick and couldn't really, you know, you know, you go through all these avenues of go see this specialist, go see that specialist, but nothing was really working. Um, and it it got to a point where I couldn't keep weight on, which, you know, ironically, most women would love, but it was not a good thing. So um, I ended up going to a naturopath and getting all this allergy testing and had to just kind of shift, you know, and again, I was eating relatively healthy by most people's standards, but I kind of, you know, was after this testing, I had to shift into like a vegan lifestyle and, you know, 90% gluten-free and just you know, figure out all those triggers and all these other pieces that led to how I now eat, which makes me feel fantastic, but maybe isn't for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, you know, you're kind of raised a certain way and then you realize, oh, that's not working for me. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm one of those handful of people maybe that just, I can't eat meat. Like it just, my body just rejects it. So definitely. um, Yeah. So it was kind of an evolution over time of what you at the time perceived as like healthy and then oh no we gotta switch this up and Mm -hmm. it just kept evolving and um I think that for anyone once you are living or treating your body a certain way and you see what feeling good feels like and you realize that oh what I thought was feeling good was actually not feeling good Mm -hmm. I think that that's the thing that will eventually make it stick for someone right yeah as you realize like oh this feels this feels good Don't you ever wonder, though, if, like, five years from now, you'll feel even better than you do today? I mean, maybe there's still a ways to go. (laughs) Definitely. And and to keep touching on your holistic health journey, too, you're also a yogi. Mm -hmm. Where did that begin in your life? 
So actually also as a teenager, so the gym I worked at, we had this woman who would come in and teach uh, yoga a few times a week and she had studied in India. Um, so that was really cool and I was exposed at a fairly young age. Um, and then, you know, you go away to school and you get busy and maybe you throw on a yoga DVD once in a while because that was when we still use DVDs. <laughs> I loved P90X, <laughs> I will say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then, you know, throughout my undergrad, I didn't, at the time, so I was in Hamilton and at the time there wasn't, you know, a great yoga studio in Hamilton because this was the early 2000s. And, um, yeah, so it was just kind of DVDs in my student house and then... Um, once I moved to Toronto, then I kind of dove back into it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And yeah, we'll definitely kind of touch more on your yoga journey because I know it's still something you very much practice and a lot of your business is focused Mm -hmm. around today. But you mentioned that you were in Hamilton for a few years. So that's a city in Ontario for those who don't know. But what was in Hamilton? Uh, I did my undergraduate in Hamilton at McMaster. So I did my uh, kinesiology at McMaster. So I was there for five years between undergraduate and again, one of those weird random facts that people may not know about me. I, um, bridging between my undergrad and my masters, I worked for Canada basketball. So I was working with their feeder team, um, for their women's basketball. So, um, that's what kept me in Hamilton Hmm. a little bit longer. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And then following your undergrad, you went to physiotherapy school Mm -hmm. or is that a master's? Yeah, it's a master's. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That was Toronto. In Toronto. So what drew you into physiotherapy? So again, through uh, working in a gym at a young age, I just became super fascinated with the human body and how it can transform, what it can do. Um, But I knew that I didn't want to be a personal trainer for life. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't for me. And I also didn't want to be a doctor or anything along those lines because one, I like sleep (laughs) and two, um, again, with the more natural lifestyle, like, uh, I didn't want to be in a position where I was pushing pharmaceuticals just as like a personal choice. Um, so then physiotherapy seemed to kind of marry that, you know, sport movement, all those pieces, helping people in a professional manner, but Mm-hmm. You still get to sleep and have a fairly normal, normal life. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm familiar with physiotherapy because I've done a couple sessions, but could you just give us a quick overview of what physiotherapy is and mm. when we might need to, you know, seek that out in our lives for those who don't know? Yeah. So physiotherapy um, is it's a healthcare profession. It's actually a first line profession. So what a lot of people don't realize is that, um, maybe for your insurance, you may need to go to the doctor first, but you can actually just walk off the street, see a physiotherapist as your first point of contact. Um, and most physiotherapists, their specialty is, you know, we think of orthopedics. So we think if I sprained my ankle or my shoulder hurts or anything like that. So a lot of physiotherapists in a private setting, um, you could just walk off the street and you could say, you know, I'm having pain here or this doesn't feel right. Um, and they could do an assessment. And at this time within our license, we are allowed to diagnose it. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, we spend so much time studying orthopedics and injury and all these things. Um, oftentimes the diagnosis will be a little bit more precise coming from a physio just because that's where we've specialized. 
Um, some physios work in hospital settings with, you know, respiratory or oncology. Um, so again, getting people mobile in a hospital is another, another role Mm -hmm. or working, you know, with, with people's lungs, clearing them out, things like that, which I didn't even know when I went to physio school, it was the first unit. And I was like, we do this. (laughs) I didn't surprise. Yeah. Surprise. You're going to learn this now. Um, so, but yes, most, most physiotherapists do work in the orthopedic realm. And so, um, I think what a lot of people also don't realize is that, and we're all guilty of it. It's going to go away. It's going to heal. I'm going to feel better. And then we let it drag on for six months. And then you're like, oh, it's not going away. I need to see someone. And um, it's really important that, you know, if you're one or two weeks into something being sore, go because it's going to get better faster once you know what to do. Whereas if you let it drag on for six Mm -hmm. months, it's going to take longer, even with the help of a physio, to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, my practice has evolved in a way that I'll often get people that are that will just say, oh, this just doesn't feel right. I feel crooked just because of the way my body works evolved. I do still treat injuries, but I tend to treat kind of a little bit different cases at this point, more, you know, neural, chronic pain type issues. Um, But I think the biggest advice I can give is if it's been a week or two, go because Mm -hmm. you'll sort it out a lot quicker than if you let it sit for six months. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty yeah. of uh, feeling something residually for like months and months. If someone has pain, this is just a off-tangent question, they have pain for like four to six months, would it take four to six months to undo it then? Is that Yeah, like a- so in general, like if you're in your 20s, you can probably still undo it pretty quick. Mm. Once you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, like it takes longer. But yeah, you could almost say, because most injuries, like for tissue regeneration, you're looking anywhere from, you know, eight to 12 weeks in general. So if then you let that manifest for four or six months, you're probably looking at at least four months before mm-hmm. you're looking at double what yeah. it could have taken from the start. Good to yeah. know. So get to the physiotherapist yeah. sooner rather than later. Um, okay. So this is, um, definitely something that I know a lot of our listeners are keen to know about you and something that, a lot of us face in our journeys is once you graduate toying with the idea of going to work for someone else or launching your own business. And I think that's always something that we have to navigate Mm -hmm. during our careers. And no matter what profession you're in, there's often kind of those two pathways. So for yourself, when you graduated from physiotherapy, you ended up going to work for someone else initially. Is that correct? Yeah. So I worked as, um, Again, in the in my industry, a lot of times when you're in private, you work as an independent contractor. So um, a lot of physios work for a fee-for-service model. So you work in a clinic, you're under them, um, you pay overhead to them, and it's a, basically a percentage of what you bring in with your clients. So I did take a role doing that downtown Toronto, and it was actually, um, my husband always laughs about it because I took a role as a lead physiotherapist. So it was a clinic that didn't have a physiotherapist yet, but they were expanding. And so I, right out of school, took a role, uh, role as a lead physiotherapist, which then turned into them hiring another physio and, and it, you know, expanded from there. Um, I actually think it's important, depending on what your field is, to start working for someone where there's already a reputation there mm-hmm. and it's and it's not that you're doing it in a way knowing that you're going to leave maybe you'll love it maybe you'll love 
your colleagues, maybe you'll love the owner, but it's really hard to start a business if you don't have a reputation where you are. Yeah. You're literally starting from scratch. Maybe it's a bit easier now with social media and, you know, people can kind of curate and draw people in that way. But if you can get a role in your field at a place that's already established and then maybe your clientele grows, and I've seen this happen with a lot of people I know, your clientele grows to a part where you, a point where you feel secure and maybe that clinic's no longer a good fit for you or that company. Um, and, you know, again, provided there's no clause in your contract saying you can't take clients with you, but it's important to get a reputation and sometimes that takes working for someone else, right? Yeah, and I think too, like what I learned working for other companies before launching my own business was you just see how a high-performing company or, you know, a big business operates, right? Like Mm -hmm. oftentimes there's sales or marketing and then you've got the team that's, you know, actually executing their activities and and now in my own business, I see like, oh, you have to allocate certain mm-hmm. amount of time and dollars and planning to these different aspects of your business. And I think it's important to see that um, with a company that's already operating because otherwise you don't really know these things and you can learn so many transferable skills uh, by going mm-hmm. under someone else's brand or working for them that once you feel as though you've grasped the concept of what it is to run a business, mm-hmm. then I think you can do it so much better once you've seen that in action. So yeah. how long, how many years did you um, kind of practice for someone else? So I believe it was three to four years. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in the three and a half to four year range that I, I worked out of that business. Um, And, you know, I made some incredible friends and my colleagues and it actually later turned into a job opportunity that I had accepted before I decided to not stay in Toronto anymore. Um, And that clinic now is, they're like the top in Toronto, you know? So, and again, that's the other thing, right? Is it can turn into greater opportunities down the line. Yeah, Yeah. I always think of um, something that, Uh, my father-in-law told me and he said it's always easier to find a job once you have a job Mm -hmm. so even if you're like sitting at home without something it's like go get that first job because you'll always meet someone in Mm -hmm. that job that can connect you Mm -hmm. um so while you were there for three to four years did you have these thoughts of wanting to start your own business or was there a light bulb moment that went off that said, I've got to do my own thing or start my own brand? Yeah, so I actually initially didn't. I really, like I said, I really enjoyed my colleagues. Um, it was a very independent job. Um, so, you know, I just kind of did my thing. I had my clients. I was right downtown. So I was in the financial district, right? So you, the clients are endless if you, you know, do a good job. But for me, the light bulb went off when I was in Costa Rica, <laughs> on a yoga retreat, that's when the light bulb went off. And I, and I just sat like, I can't keep living like this. Cause you don't realize that. Yeah. I worked nine to five, which are pretty sweet hours. Mm-hmm. But in those hours, I would see like 15 clients, you know, and yes. it's, and you don't think like, especially when you're energetic, you're like, yeah, I have the energy for this, but you don't realize the toll that takes on you. And then it also kind of corresponded um, when I was in Costa Rica, that kind of corresponded with the peak of my, me being sick. Yeah. Um, not, I didn't get sick in Costa Rica, but it was just, you know, aligned with those at that time where, you know, I'd taken multiple trips to the ER and they're like, we don't know. 
um, you know, for the for the record, I would feel like there was a knife in my stomach and someone was twisting oh, it. It was just like this man. extreme abdominal pain. And um, then I was, you know, in the jungle with these lovely people on yoga retreat and I just, I cried every day and I'll fully admit that because I think we're raised not to cry and then we go to a yoga class and we bawl our eyes out, you know? So I just realized like, I can't keep living this way. Like I'm giving all of my time and energy to other people Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, you know, it's just depleting. And when you're working for someone else, then you're also giving a huge chunk of your revenue to that person, which means like you have to keep working at that pace. Yeah. So the light bulb just went off and I was like, I need to make something needs to change Mm -hmm. or I'm sacrificing myself. Yeah. Yeah, I totally resonate with that and uh, not maybe at the extreme sense that you experienced it, but when I practiced as a holistic nutritionist, I found that even doing a few nutrition consultations every day with people face-to-face was extremely draining to Mm -hmm. me, and I just recognized that that was not the way in which I was meant to practice Mm -hmm. because my energy was just so sensitive and... Um, I would go home and just feel like I had nothing left. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wasn't here. I'm not meant to, to just, yeah, not just, but I'm not meant to sit with someone one-on-one. I think that I would like to impact on a greater scale Mm -hmm. and, you know, just maybe more on my own time. So I definitely resonate with that. And I think, you know, we're all different, right? So for some people that is what lights them up, Mm -hmm. but it's important to, know who you are and what makes you tick. And, you know, if you're feeling drained at the end of every day, then potentially there's another way in which you can Mm -hmm. practice. And so you launched your brand and your business called Physio Bodhi. Mm -hmm. So what did that look like initially? So, um, again, through, through that retreat, I, um, had, I was on retreat with a lot of people in Toronto, probably know her, uh, Jackie Sabo from Moksha Downtown. And so obviously over a week together, you connect. And then um, it just so happened that they had acquired the upstairs of their building and they were turning it into offices. So again, that kismet that, you know, going and being somewhere and working or, you know, I booked this trip last minute. And, um, so they were renovating upstairs and there was going to be office space available. And I was just with her one day and she just said, well, would you ever think of moving here? And it was just that perfect timing. And again, it's a few months in the making and there's, you know, bumps in the road to get to that place, but it was just an opportunity that arose out of these other relationships in my life. Um, that, yeah. So then I worked out of the yoga studio and that's, that's when that launched and it was a really good fit, just my treatment style and their facility. And mm-hmm. So initially it really started just as a physiotherapy practice. Like were you doing other kind of wellness workshops or anything of that sort? Um, no, the only, the only wellness workshop outside of that is at, I would do um, a session with the cycle winter base training every year um, of, you know, stretches and yoga and strengthening specific to cyclists to help undo the repetitive movement patterns in their body. So I would do that, um, in partnership with cycle. Um, but 
that was, it was mostly, you know, the physiotherapy mm-hmm. at that point. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like that was like a positive transition, you know, going from your previous role as a physiotherapist to doing your own thing on your own schedule or how, how did you feel about Yeah, that? I really enjoyed it. So I ended up working Saturdays, um, which was totally fine because I would just, I was up anyway to teach my class at the studio. Um, and then... I really liked it because I would have Sundays off. I would go to work Monday and then my weekend would be Tuesday, Wednesday. Hmm. And then some days I'd do a split day. So I'd work eight until noon and then I'd be off 12 to four. I could go to the park with my dog. I could, yeah. you know, get any errands done. And then I'd go back from four to eight. Like, so there was just a little bit more flexibility where, you know, midday I could do what I needed. I could go for a walk or I could go to a yoga class or, mm-hmm. um, and it, it just felt good to, to have that and not feel like someone's always watching over your shoulder and yeah. saying, oh, you know, you need more clients or anything like that, right? It's it was... such a nice perk, I find, to make your own schedule. And yeah, I've worked many roles before and now with myself where, yeah, oftentimes I am working evenings and weekends, but I never feel that like, oh, I have to work, right? Yeah. It, it always lights me up and... There's this quote, someone said, I'd rather work 24 hours a day for myself than one hour a day for someone else. And I totally resonate with that because I just, it never feels like work when it's your own business. Mm. Yes, you are putting a lot of energy into it and it does require a lot from you, but it's, you know, it's those Mondays and Tuesdays off that really, they feel so good because you chose that. So. Um, okay, so shifting gears a little bit, at a certain point, I guess two to three years ago, you and your husband, Martin, decided to move to Deep River, and that is a smaller town um, quite a few hours north of us here in Toronto. So what spawned the move up to Deep River, and can you tell us a bit more of what Deep River is like? Yeah, so I grew up in Deep River, Okay. so um, obviously I... I know the town. Um, That being said, when I left Deep River at the age of 18, I always, you know, I always thought maybe I would move back because it's a pretty awesome place to live. But I also had this caveat of if I moved back, I had to be married. Okay. You know, otherwise you're dating, you know, the people that you went to school with your whole life or maybe, maybe, um, you know, there's a nuclear industry there. So they do recruit in quite a few engineers and, and things like that. But, you know, it's. To me, it was not a place you go if you're single. Um, <laughs> there's so, no clubs to meet no, people no, in Deep River. For sure, there's not. Um, so, um, again, returning a little bit to health and realizing your limitations. So, um, just over four years ago, my husband was diagnosed with cancer, and I'm pretty open about it. Um, but we spent a few years in Toronto dealing with the ramifications of that, doing the appointments, all these things. And then you hit a point where you just realize like, you know, living in this fast paced city, you know, pollution. And, um, you know, we weren't, even when we were both healthy, we weren't the ones that were going out to the bars. We weren't doing all those things. We were like going to the gym, cooking at home, walking a dog. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so we just realized that it made the most sense to move somewhere quieter, somewhere where we could have like, you know, a little front porch and sit out and enjoy some fresh air. And, and, um, so this opportunity came up and actually it was a woman who I had, I recognized from back home 
um, when I was doing a craniosacral course and she was in it, uh, craniosacral therapy. And she just happened to, I was talking to my sister and we had been home a couple weeks before for my grandma's 90th birthday. And I was talking to my sister and she said, oh, Tammy wanted me to tell you the hospital's hiring. And, you know, the week before, Martin and I had literally said to each other when we came back to Toronto, we'd rather live there now. Like, it just clicked for both of us. Yeah. And, yeah, then this job opportunity came up. And within a month, I had I had a full-time job and we were moving. Um, so it happened quite quickly. But I feel, again, like it was a series of events in our lives that led us to the point where... Yes, we need mm. to move out of the city. Yeah, because that is a big decision, too, to go from living in a city like Toronto, where there's so much at our disposal here, to deciding to shift gears. But it's really cool that it seemed like everything aligned at once. Yeah. And who knows whether you were looking for that or whether it was just, you know, kind of the meeting of all the forces. But mm. um, so did you find it hard to integrate into... You know, obviously you were born in Deep River, but was it hard to reintegrate into this town and to find community once again? Because I know you had tons of strong ties here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, definitely the first month, I, every day, kind of would look myself in the mirror and say, what did you do? You know, (laughs) we just had such amazing friends. um, In the city and, you know, amazing community within Again, the cycling studio, the yoga studio, we just had all of these great things going on here, having both lived um, in Southern Ontario for so long. Um, But I found that taking a role at the hospital was good because it reintegrated me within the community with uh, clientele and, you know, just meeting a lot of people really quickly. It was a management role, so I was quite involved in a lot of decisions. Um, But I did... You know, I did join a women in business group just so I could get out once a month and talk with people. There was people I went to high school with there, but, you know, a lot of them have kids or mm. I'd been gone for 13 years. So, yes, they were my friends in high school, but like I hadn't seen them in so long that, mm. you know, some of them became friends again. But um, it was definitely reintegrating into those relationships. You know, yeah. now I would say we have very good friends there, but... For the first little while, it was kind of like, what did we do? Like all our best, our best friends, like our friends were our family in the city, right? They become, you become so tight. Um, So in the beginning, definitely, you know, we knew it was the right move, but we also questioned it because Mm -hmm. we missed our friends. And yeah, um, is that the thing you miss most about Toronto is kind of your community here or? Yeah, I miss, I definitely miss my community. Um... I miss, I also miss, although this being said, like at our current wellness center, we have this amazing vegan smoothie bar coffee shop. Um, But I miss just being able to, yeah, walk down the street and get like a healthy, you know, healthy snack or a juice or a really good coffee Mm -hmm. Um, because we just didn't have that until our our current our Definitely. current vision our current wellness center yeah yeah I've been thinking a lot about that because Dave and I talk sometimes like what's next like you know mm-hmm. where will we go after Toronto and uh, you know I find that I I absolutely love living in Toronto and I love the idea of a big city because wellness is at our disposal mm-hmm. like we've got yoga studios like you said really good coffee and juices 
and there's all these amazing plant-based restaurants opening up and meditation studios and it all feeds into you know this practice of self-care and how we nourish ourselves on a daily basis but then I had this moment on my walk with my dog this morning and I was thinking but there is no greater self-care than just finding all of that from within Mm -hmm. and being so say I did move out to the country and we just had this beautiful property and you know could run around and play I would hope that I have that same wholeness to me that I currently feel as though I have here from Mm -hmm. spending money and going to all these you know different hubs Mm -hmm. right so there's this balance I think we can truly find our highest peak state of wellness with absolutely nothing yeah And I'm not saying that like you live somewhere without any of that because we're going to get into it. You've actually created this incredible space in Deep River. But yeah, do you kind of know what I mean by that? Oh, I know. I know exactly what you mean. And it's really fascinating because I've lately been thinking about how, yeah, when you're in the city, you can like go to a yoga class any, literally any time of day. Like you want a class at five or six in the morning, there's a class. Yeah. You know, you can fit all these things in. But what I've really noticed is that you almost need it when you live in a city. Like, because you need, you need to quiet the noise. Exactly. You need that refuge. Um, and I find, you know, where I live now, it's like people are so much more connected because they're not walking around with headphones in their ears. Like, they're walking around, they're saying hi to you. They're going to catch they're going to catch up with you on the street, you know. And you know, their feet are in the dirt. Yeah. You know, you're grounding not in the winter, but in the summer, like everyone's grounding every day, literally bare feet and in, not in like intentionally, in you know, yeah. because they're at this like retreat in no, a park it, in Toronto. Yeah, it's, they're just like it's a beautiful day. I'm going to yeah. go for a hike or I'm going to do all these things and so although they do you know they love a good yoga class they love you know those things it's like they don't need it and Mm -hmm. it's almost just more second nature to them right like here I am my wellness routine might look like a yoga class and going to get pick up a salad somewhere but for someone else it could actually just look like sitting on your porch for four hours in the evening not even really recognizing that that's self-care, but it is, yeah. right? It's the time to, you're sitting, you're meditating, whether you know yeah. it or not. And yeah, and I, really it just kind of goes to say that you can you can find your best version of yourself with literally mm. any resources, whether that's tons like we have here in the city or with nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I think it really is about tuning in to what makes you happy and whole and so... Yeah, as much as we love these wellness trends that keep popping up, they are not essential to our yeah. wellness. Yeah, well, and I just think that, like, in the city, because your life is so fast-paced, that you almost, you need them more, right? Like, mm. so. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely something that I ponder a lot. Um, so, you're living in Deep River, and at a certain point, you decide to actually go back to your business, Physio mm-hmm. Bodhi. Did you ever stop your own business, or did it just take a bit brief hiatus? Yeah, so, there was a very brief, a brief hiatus where I only worked at the hospital, 
Um, but to be honest, I moved there. I accepted, I had accepted the job at the hospital, but I also rented a private office. So we moved at the end of August and I had a private office as of September 1st. Um, it took me until about December to get that set up. And what I was doing was evenings and weekends, I was taking uh, concussion clients, um, and doing craniosacral with them because it's an amazing therapy for it, but in a hospital clinic, it's fluorescent lights, it's just a curtain between the beds, it's noisy, um, and that's aggravating for a lot of people with concussions. So uh, what I would do is I would treat privately on the side, just strictly craniosacral, um, for people that needed a different environment. Um, mm. So I had a few months, a few months where I wasn't uh, doing my own, my yeah. own business. Um but didn't last very long. No. Yeah. So then you decide to kind of start up again your business. Um, but this time it seemed to grow into something greater. Can you describe yeah. what yeah. it maybe looked like a year ago and take us to where it is now? Yeah. So a year ago, um, I was still, I was working out of a private office. Um, it's kind of a shared building. There was two people that massaged out of there and another engineer who had an office. Um, so about a year ago, that's what it looked like. I was completing a 200 hour teacher training for yoga. So, uh, the yoga story is that I've been practicing for 15 years. I've been actually studying the philosophies and more in depth um, on my own for about five. And then I had a bunch of people asking me to teach and I really wanted to teach, but I really felt I needed to honor the process. And so I did a 200 hour training last year. Um, so I was almost done that a year ago. Um, and you know, I just had this vision that in the spring I would launch classes. And I, again, at the time had arranged to teach out of uh, already existing fitness studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in June, uh, that flooded. <laughs> um, it's in a basement and I had invested a lot of money in blankets and bolsters and blocks and all these things. And I am so grateful that some of the other teachers caught it and they called me and they moved all my stuff to safety. And, you know, it meant I have a yoga room in my house and it meant, you know, that that got taken over by bolsters and space heaters to dry, you know, dry them out and wash everything. And, um, so that was a bit of a blow. And I, over the summer, again, found a little bit of a temporary home and then decided, you know, I can't afford another flood. Um, I have all these visions for workshops. I have this huge plan in my head. Um, I'm just going to find a space. Wow. Um, so that was around July, August. And then, yeah, we spent about two months straight renovating, um, the space. Thank goodness for handy parents. And now we have a full, full on yoga studio wellness center. You know, we sell, um, we have this kind of tagline of we only sell what we use. So, um, you know, we sell the four sigmatic coffees and elixirs and we sell from Toronto love fresh, you know, body care. And, um, we have obviously doTERRA products there and, um, just all these products that we know and love and use in our own home. So we have that available for people as well as we have subleased part of the space to a girl to run a plant-based smoothie bar. So going from a place where people with allergies literally can't go out to eat anywhere to having a place that is so allergy friendly and vegan friendly and 
Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And was this always your vision? You said, like, you had wanted to create something yeah. like this. For but... about six or seven years, I've wanted, okay. I've wanted to have a yoga studio wellness center. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like it was almost, like, thrown at you and you yeah. made a decision in the heat of the moment yeah. a bit. Yeah. and I But I feel like, I don't know, there was a lot of hiccups. There was a lot of hiccups with... Um, and maybe it's just because I, I have so many ideas and I want to be able to offer them, but there was a lot of hiccups and there's a lot of hiccups and restrictions about working out of someone else's studio, right? Like you have to work around other people's classes. Um, you know, you're, you're limited in what you can offer when you can offer it. And I also feel like all these, you know, all these hiccups with my health, my husband's health, like I feel like they're kind of just pushing us like, no, you need to, because mm-hmm. I also, within this vision of having a wellness center, I was like, but the city is so saturated. I wouldn't do it in a city, but I would also never live in a suburb. Yeah. I'm like anti-suburb. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. you know, I feel like all these little pieces that, you know, you could take as terrible things, but we took as life lessons and catalysts to propel us to where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they were just slowly nudging us and then the flood was just the, okay, you're moving. Yeah. And actually while I was here this week, I got it. I saw a message saying it flooded again. So had I stayed, I would have been in Toronto and the space is flooded. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. like these lessons that are being handed to you along the way. And yeah. One thing that I really see in you is that you, you could have taken this all very negatively and kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, just been more of like a woe is me and I'm just going to succumb to mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, all my, all my props flooded and that we're moving far away from our friends and that your business mm-hmm. has shifted and evolved. And honestly, it it's easy to just play the victim in that. And, and it would be justified in some Absolutely. Yeah. And 100%. And what I've seen you do and what I believe makes you so visionary is that you've actually just rode this wave of momentum, whether that be positive or negative and bring something amazing to light Mm -hmm. and instead look at everything that's happened to you as a driving factor behind this amazing business and life that you have Mm -hmm. now. And, um, that doesn't come naturally, naturally to everyone. But I think if we can kind of take a lesson from that, it's to, as cliche as it is, like flip your negatives into positives because you never know every step of your life could be leading you towards Mm -hmm. something beautiful like your Physio Bodhi Wellness Studio. And looking back, it's easy to say, oh, like it's great that I learned all these lessons and everything led me here. But in the moment, I'm sure it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. Like you never knew this was all gonna eventually come to fruition. And so it's important to obviously stay optimistic and, and practice positivity. And I'm yeah. sure that's something that you were mindful of even through the hard times, right? Yeah. Well, and even I bring it up a lot in class, you know, that you can, the greatest power we have in any moment is to choose, right? Mm-hmm. So you may not have power over, you know, the fact that, you know, somebody died tragically or someone got sick or this bad thing happened to you. That situation is out of your out of your control, right? You can't control that. But what you can control is how you move from that place. So you can, you know, it's really important to acknowledge sadness, to acknowledge fear, to acknowledge these feelings that come 
from these events in our lives, from these places. But I think that the most important thing to know is that you have a choice. You have a choice of I'm going to let this tragic thing or this bad thing or even happy thing define me or I'm going to choose the lesson that this is trying to bring into my life. I'm going to choose to learn and grow like this is there's it's always an opportunity for growth. Right. Mm -hmm. So and I think that most people don't realize that, right? That yes, situations are out of your control, but the choice of how you move within that situation is yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I always think back um, to my time when I worked at Vega and I loved it so much. And then I was like abruptly let go. And for me, the, the choice was, do I sulk and cry and try to find a job that's the exact same? And or do I choose to see this as the greatest blessing of my life that has just given me severance to go maybe invest in my own business? And, you know, as much as I gave myself that time to, you know, feel the feelings of losing a job that you love so dearly and the steady income and all that, it's, it's a choice, right? Like you have to choose to move on because if you don't, you are going to play victim and, and that's mm -hmm. not a fun life either. So... Yeah, I love that you say there's always a power to choose. Um, so with how the studio is right now, it's incredible. I encourage people to obviously check it out online, but also if they're ever passing through Deep River to pay a visit. Um, do you have plans for growth for the next two, five, ten years? Mm. Or are you just marinating in what you've got going on now? I love to ask this question because... As, as visionary women, we're always, you know, thinking about our future with limitless potential, but I don't think that necessarily means that you have to have like these concrete mm -hmm. plans. It might just mean you're daydreaming once in a while when you have a spare minute, but do you have anything that's kind of like guiding you over the coming yeah, years? Yeah. So, um, we'll, ha we'll have to see how it all pans out. You know, right now our our classes are pretty busy, which is amazing. Um, you know, sometimes people comment like, oh, you should have got a bigger studio. But also it's, you know, in smaller centers, people are used to having a lot of room around their mat. And whereas in Toronto, you're right beside each other. I'm like, oh, no, there's room for twice as many of you. You just actually have to be beside someone. Um, so... But definitely over the next five, ten years, like, I do hope it grows. Um... And by the time this podcast comes out, it won't, it won't be a surprise, but, um, you know, even just with the ties that I've made and I sometimes think about that, right? When I was in Toronto, I didn't have time to do my teacher training and then I moved and I still didn't really have time, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. And by making that decision, I've made all these amazing connections within the yoga community around where I live. And that has led to, you know, friends of mine now we're coming together this summer to offer a teacher training at my studio. Right. And you know, it's, it's their training, it's their baby, it's, it's the training that I took, but I get to be involved and I get to teach the anatomy portion and I get to, you know, get my feet wet teaching people to be teachers, which is super cool and, and definitely something that I look forward to and, you know, I see being in my future. Um, and um, I don't know, uh, we always talk about, you know, just with all of these crazy life experience I've had at a, a young age. Like I honestly, in the next five to 10 years think like I might be traveling and just sharing these experiences and this 
wisdom that comes from really experiencing what a lot of people don't experience until they're 80, mm-hmm. but in my 30s. So yeah. um, I, I see that happening. I hope that in the next five to 10 years, I get to step back a bit and just, again, enjoy my baby mm-hmm. of, of the Bodhi Wellness Center um, and still be involved, but have other people involved and, you know, also help other people earn a living doing what they love. Um, and have that not mean me working 60 hours a week. Yes. So, um, that's, that's really what I, I hope manifest is that, you know, I get to travel and, and teach and share these life lessons with people and inspire and, and hopefully inspire people, you know, globally as to, yeah, how, what lesson are you going to take from this? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I can totally see that for mm-hmm. you. And I think, you know, as with any community, it's often starting it, um, you know, actually physically face to face with people mm-hmm. and you've created that around you. Um, and eventually that is going to start to mm-hmm. continue to grow and, and scale up. And it's awesome, too, that you have found your people where you live now mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of people, when they move, they're intimidated, thinking, how am I going to find friends? Or, you know, what if I don't relate to the people? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we have all these, yeah, I guess they're limiting beliefs in how we can find community. But I had a similar experience here in Toronto. It's hard to find community in such a big city. But what I take from your story, showing up to yoga teacher training and committing to seeing the same people week after Mm -hmm. week and investing in something you love... For myself, it was, you know, joining a girls biking community here Mm -hmm. and choosing to show up, even though I knew nobody, but show up week after week. Because Mm -hmm. if you become that familiar face, then you've got community, Mm -hmm. right? But if you just show up once and and you kind of think, oh, that was was tough and I didn't meet anyone, you know, you don't get those deeper Mm -hmm. rooted connections. So no matter where any of these listeners um, on the podcast are listening in from, if you are looking to root yourself in a new community, find something that you love, Mm -hmm. show up continually. I think that's really important Mm -hmm. to, yeah, just making lifelong friends. And, um, yeah, we're kind of coming up to time when we need to wrap up our podcast, but I was looking through your social media and I find that you're a very good writer and you have a good way with your words. And you wrote something on your Instagram that said, I find it a bit ironic that we are all searching for inspiration and connection by removing ourselves from the inspiring and connection in our immediate surroundings. You say about Instagram, I do love this platform. I just also love life. I love gazing into people's eyes as they talk to me and giving big hugs. It's what I need right now and maybe what you do too. And that like totally like struck a chord with me Mm -hmm. because... You know, I do a lot of work and marketing with my social media platforms, but it's so true that oftentimes we're, we do want to connect ourselves and, and find these incredible people, but we do that sometimes through social media instead of walking around the neighborhood and actually mm-hmm. just feeling connected by having a face-to-face conversation. So is social media something that you feel you have a strong relationship with or a good relationship with? And did you have a moment when you realized that you weren't paying attention to what really mattered? Why did you write that? Mm, Yeah. So 
Um, I think social media is an incredible platform in terms of, you know, you can follow people who inspire you. You can get word out about what you're up to. You can stay in touch with people that, you know, maybe you've moved away from. And I found that really, really great having moved away from all of my best friends in the city. Um, but I also find that it's so easy to get sucked in and to spend like two or three hours on social media and forget about, you know, the person you live with or, um, forget about life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think I posted that probably shortly after I was noticing. Um, so I have a ritual every morning. Um, I basically have silence for an hour. So, you know, even my husband knows like, don't talk to me. I, I wake up, I make my tea, I make my breakfast and I sit for an hour and I used to sit for an hour and read, but then I noticed as social media has evolved because, you know, when I was an undergrad, like we didn't have social media. Um, so, but I, and I tried to think about like, what has shifted? What has shifted over the last 10 years, you know? And I realized like I'm getting up and I'm on at seven in the morning. And then because again, you know, social media is linked to your work. I found myself working. And I was like, I haven't even had my quiet time yet. I haven't had my breakfast and I'm already at work. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think that, you know, we need to learn to disconnect from that to connect in real life. Mm -hmm. And so what I've actually implemented, you know, with the exception of if I'm texting with a friend or something is my phone goes on airplane mode, 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. And... You know, that meant this morning when I turned it on, I had nine texts from, from teachers. I'm trying to sort something out uh, while I'm away. Um, but, and it, it, it feels awesome. And I think, you know, I think there's a time and a place. And I think that social media is this great platform. And really, if, if I want to reach my five, 10 year vision of traveling and sharing these, you know, real life, um, as Daniel Laporte would say, truth bombs and, mm you know, what you can take out of these moments and these hardships. Um, you know, if I want to realize that I need to embrace social media because that's how you get out there. Mm -hmm. But I also have this real issue, you know, and I, it is some people I follow, like it just, it becomes airbrushed. It becomes, you know, photos taken on a camera and it's not real life anymore. And I think mm -hmm. that we just need to realize that this is, it's powerful, but it's curated. Yeah. And, you know, it can make us feel really good. Or it can make us feel really bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that in order to discern that, what we need to do is we need to disconnect to an extent, connect with the people in our life that love us to realize, like, my life's not lacking. Yeah, That person, this is a highlight reel. But I think if we're just always within the highlight reels, we forget that. And it can be a really dangerous place to be. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. The disconnect to connect is such a simple yet life-changing phrase for a lot of us and I think the 9 p.m to 9 a.m is such a good practice mm -hmm. uh before we wrap up so are you back to reading now or yeah like your morning <laughs> yeah. ritual I find that that is I love I do the same I get up early before Dave wakes up and before I take Abby out for a walk and I, I do a few things for me mm -hmm. so is there any nuggets that you would leave with the listeners of like what makes your morning amazing? Yeah. So, um, I, again, I wake up and I, I make my tea and my breakfast. Um, so for me, because my entire day is, 
speaking with and caring for clients or teaching yoga, like everything is interacting with people. So for me, my perfect morning is having my silence. Yeah. Um, literally filling my cup um, to prepare for that. So for other people that may look different, yeah. because my work day involves moving all day, teaching one to three yoga classes, um, my morning ritual sometimes will include a meditation, but typically I don't do a movement practice because um, depending on my day, I'm going to have a huge movement practice. So sometimes it's more of a quiet, mm-hmm. uh, quiet situation. Um, so that's always been my ritual um, of having at least an hour before I even need to think about getting dressed. Mm-hmm. Um but it could, like I said, it could look different for other people. You know, if your day means that you're going to work in an office all day and you're going to be working until, you know, 8 p.m., maybe your morning ritual is that you wake up, you get in, a, you know, whatever uh, movement practice lights you up and mm-hmm. then you, you know, sit and have your breakfast. Um, it can look different for everyone. But I think um, one thing that I always say to people is think of something that makes you happy, that lights you up. And then think about how you can integrate it into your daily life, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour. And then maybe that becomes part of your morning practice because once your day starts, you'll forget. Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah. I think if we can find that time again, whether it's two minutes, 10 minutes to do something that makes you Mm -hmm. happy, then your day is going to be that much better. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes we forget because we get up and we stuff a coffee down our throat and then we run off and do Mm -hmm. something we don't like. And Mm -hmm. that's not the way to have an incredible day. Right. So awesome. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and think, yeah, your journey will resonate with so many people just, you know, launching your business and moving and finding community. These are things that we're all going to go through at some point in our life. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure a lot of it landed with everyone tuning in. So thanks for coming and enjoy the rest of your time in Toronto. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. Okay, we did it. That is this week's episode with Kara. I really hope that you enjoyed that and learned a lot from Kara about what it is to live a visionary life and to move forward despite life's gifts to you. So if you want to connect with Kara, you can find her on Instagram at physiobodhi and Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I or you can head to www.physiobodhi.com where you'll find all about her latest classes, her healthcare services, and she's actually running an exciting teacher training coming in summer 2018. So if you're in the area, that's definitely something you'll want to look into. So again, be sure to connect with her. Leave her a comment or some love if you listen to this episode. It would mean a lot to her and, of course, to me as well. So let's let her know that you listened to the show. So thanks so much for tuning in. I really look forward to spreading this visionary message on a larger scale as the podcast continues to grow. And as always, rate and review, and I will talk to you very soon.